Well, hello, folks. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hopefully, we're all awake this morning. Welcome to the fellowship. Uh, this morning, uh, we're starting our new series in the Gospel according to Matthew. Dun dun dun. Sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't expect there to be a big response. That sure we want next. Um, really, as we wrapped up 2022 with our Advent series, I thought. No better place than to just continue on uh, through the story with the account of the wise men and then just kind of keep going through throughout the rest of Matthew. So that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, in the Advent series, we discussed the gift of love and we focused on Matthew chapter 1. I know that was a few weeks back, uh, but we're just going to start our Matthew series in, the, in chapter 2. So we've done chapter 1, we're jumping to chapter 2. I'm not really going to give much of a background for Matthew's gospel other than to say that Matthew wrote his gospel to predominantly a Jewish audience. So that's his focus, is writing toward Jewish people. And I guess I should go ahead and state the, obvi state the obvious that Matthew's gospel opens up the New Testament. Um, his book wasn't the first book in the New Testament to be written, but it was the first of the four gospels. And it's the first place at the beginning of the New Testament here. Um, so we had the Old Testament closing out with Malachi, and then we had 400 years of silence, and then Matthew here. So um, that's what we'll look at. And uh, I'm not going to give you much of a background for the man of Matthew either. Um, we're going to wait until we get to chapter 9 for that. Makes sense, right? Wait till we're nine chapters in to get some kind of background on who Matthew is as a person. Um, I will give you a little teaser, though, so when we do get to chapter 9, you can be looking forward to this. Um, Matthew, like Peter and Paul, had a name change, um, and his name wasn't Mary. I know it's 2023 now, but that, that's not the reason he changed his name. Um, he, he also wasn't singing about Puff the Magic Dragon or if I had a hammer. Um, next week, we'll, we'll, he kind of is singing next week about leaving on a jet plane, so you can look forward to that. Um, Matthew and... That's Matthew, his gospel. He's a Jew writing to a Jewish audience. So let's see what he has to say. We're going to be the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 2. Uh, let's pray and then get into it. Lord, please open your word to us now. Let it be the nourishment we need to start this new year. Let it be the challenge we need and the encouragement we need. I pray that you will hide me behind your cross and speak through your text. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Or Matthew 2, 1 through 12 says this, sorry, I was about to read chapter 1 to you. Um, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it, when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. After assembling all the chief priests and experts in the law, he asked them, where the cross was to be born, in Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for it is written by this way by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod privately summoned the wise men and determined from them when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and look carefully for the child. When you find him, inform me so that I can go and worship him as well. After listening to the king, they left, and once again the star rose. The star, sorry, the, 
After listening to the king, they left, and once again the star they saw when it rose led them until it stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. As they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back by another route to their own country. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, it's a very straightforward text. There's not a lot of extra explanation that Matthew adds here um, to his account. Uh, remember, he is writing to a Jewish audience, so they're going to understand a lot of the things he's saying. He says one word or a couple words, and they it speaks a great volume to them about stuff. Um, and we, we have that same kind of thing in our language, too. You mentioned one thing, and everybody kind of knows about that one thing. I don't have a good example for you off the top of my head, but... We have that too. So that's what he's doing here. But we're going to break down a few of these key things because maybe we don't understand them um, in our context being who we are and everything else and and when we are um, 2,023 years later. So uh, first of all, we're going to talk about is um, Bethlehem in Judea. It's giving us the distinction here um, of where it is because there's another Bethlehem in Galilee not far from Nazareth. Um, Back in Genesis, Bethlehem was originally called Ephrath or Ephrathath. Sounds like uh, Bugs Bunny saying suffering succotash or something. I don't know. It's a tongue twister. I'm surprised I said it that well just now. I practiced this almost all the way here, and that's the best I've said it yet. So good for me, I guess. Um, But Bethlehem, it was also known as the city of bread. We talked a a little bit about this last week on Christmas morning. The bread of life born in the city of bread. Um, laid down in a feeding trough. Um, it's, it's just too good. You know, there's very little, um, little more to be said about that. But it's the city of bread. Um, there's very fertile fields around Bethlehem, so there's always food and nourishment for people. Um, the agricultural game there is strong, and so city of bread. Um, Bethlehem is known as the city of bread, but it's also called the city of David. There's actually two cities of David. I'm sure we'll get into the other one further down in our, in our study of the book of Matthew. Um, but uh, in Matthew 1, we see verses 5 and 6, it says, Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of the king. So you remember the story of Ruth. Um, she's out gleaning in the fields, and um, Boaz tells his people, hey, don't stop the ladies from gleaning out in the fields. So they would, they would go and harvest the crops in the fields, but they would kind of cut the corners short and maybe not go all the way to the edge so that these poor in need people could come and get the food that was left in the corners and along the edge or whatever and they would be able to go and do something with it so it's like charity but they're still having to work for it in a way it's like a kindness that's shown to people and um so while they're out doing that ruth caught boaz's eye and then next thing you know they're sitting in a tree k-i-s-s-i-n-g and then you know a few months like guess nine months later obed who is david's grandfather is born and um, you know, we, we, I might be remembering part of that story wrong or leaving out some details or adding some, I don't know, but you know, the story, those fields were the point is those fields where Ruth is gleaning were the fields around Bethlehem, meaning the city of bread. And so, um, David was born there and then thus the city of David. Um, but then there was a greater King that was born there as well. We call his name Jesus. And these Magi went to visit him. 
but not before they encountered Herod. So, number two, let's break down King Herod real quick. King Herod, he was known as a very cruel king when these Jewish people would have been reading this and said, uh, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the time of King Herod, they would have been like, oh, like that guy, you know, that King Herod. There's a couple other King Herod, Herod Agrippa and others that came later. This King Herod was known to be very cruel. And so, especially in his later years, like I guess his power had grown. He just didn't trust anybody. He even like didn't trust his own wife and son because he thought they were after him to come and get his thing. And he was, he's a fascinating character all on his own. Uh, King Herod was. Um, at one point, he was so popular, he actually got the appointment to be the president of the Olympic Games. It's like crazy. This Jewish king is so popular that he, you know, the king of the Jews, he gets this appointment to go and be this, um, this, uh, you know, president of the Olympic Games. Kind of crazy. Um, he also was known as a builder, vast builder. He renovated the temple with great opulence. Um, he built a bunch of palaces. One we talked about when we were in the Minor Prophets, Masada, that's in the south of Judah. Um, very, it was very fast. There's, you can, I think we watched a video on it, uh, like a, I don't know, it was a helicopter view of Masada one morning during that. But you search YouTube for Masada tour videos. Watch the shorter ones because the other ones get kind of too in depth or whatever. But 15 minutes or under, there's several of those that. Uh, there's some like artists rendering, like they've done graphics to make it show you what it would have looked like back in the original day. And it's just, it's really kind of incredible. But uh, anyway, so King Herod, he's going to be very no, well known by Matthew's readers. So not much explanation would have been needed by Matthew here. And then we get to the wise men. Who are these magi um, that, you know, sometimes referred to as these magi? Who are these guys there? We get wise men from the King James translation, but the word comes from the Arabic Magoi, M-A-G-O-I. Um, it's a, it means educated, respected, religious scholars. Uh, most scholars believe that these uh, were the most educated, intelligent men um, in the ancient world. They were most likely from Persia or Babylon. Personally, I think they're probably from Babylon, uh, which is modern-day Iraq or Iran. Uh, if you draw a line straight east from Israel, you line up and you wind up in Babylon. We get our English word magic from Magoi or these magi, um, but don't picture these guys as like illusionists or like involved in the occult or anything else like that. That's not what they were. Um, the historian Herodotus he wrote that the Magoi were ancient Persians who had discovered the secrets of nature and medicine. They were scientists rather than magicians. Uh, John MacArthur, he writes that uh, these men, because of their combined knowledge of science, agriculture, mathematics, history, and astrology, they became the most prominent and powerful group of advisors in the Medo Persian and subsequently the Babylonian Empire. Um, so these guys, they were most intelligent men of their age, and they devoted a lot of time, money, and resources and energy to finding the Messiah and worshiping him. What that says to me is that if we want to be wise men or wise women, we should also devote a lot of time and energy and resources and money uh, in seeking him as well. Uh, there's some common misconceptions about the gods, about these wise men. Um, one is like we, and we briefly talked about this last week, we say there's like maybe three wise men, right? Um, and we get that because there was three gifts or because we'd seen that song, We Three Kings of Orient are, or whatever. 
But uh, there could have been, you know, maybe only two of these guys. Could have been three or four. Maybe there was five or six. Maybe there was, no, you get it. Yeah. So there could have been as many as 30. We don't, we don't really know. Um, we also don't know exactly when these guys came to visit Jesus. Um, if you consult one of the nativity sets at my mom's house, you're going to see that they were there at the time of Jesus' birth with the shepherds and everything else. Um, probably wasn't the case. Um, not that you need to go and rearrange your nativity sets or throw the wise men out six months from now. Um, but we see here, uh, verse 11, it says, as they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. So that word for child here, it means a child, not an infant or a newborn um, so Jesus, not a baby. He could have been um, two or three years old. He could have been six months old. We don't really know um, how how long, what time had passed, really, from the end of chapter one till we get to chapter two, when the wise men show up. Um, and then let's talk about the star. So um, there's lots of theories as to what could have been. Um, what the star could have been. Some people think it's the lining up of two planets that show this bright light. Um, they have, I don't know who they is, some scientists or people that do stuff with stars, planetary people, I don't know. But they, it has been calculated that around 7 BC, Jupiter and Saturn were in alignment. Um, some people think it could have been a big comet or something, or maybe some exploding star of some sort or whatever. Um, but... Um, you know, sometimes God does use natural things for his supernatural purposes. And I believe there are times where he did that. I don't personally, I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, some people think it's simply just a light that God made appear to the Magi, um, to get, to lead them to Jesus. And that's, that's what I believe. I believe it's just a light. Um, we call any star or any light in the sky that's not like the moon or the, or a planet, a star. You know, and so um, this light that they saw in the star in the sky, they, they were calling a star. Um, verse ten says that they, when they saw the star, they shouted joyfully. And I think that you know we should do the same when we see the light as well. We should shout joyfully. Um, I think because uh, you know I think because of scripture they saw this light. It led them to, it led them all the way to Jerusalem, and then they had to ask for directions. And then after they asked for directions, had this encounter with Herod that we read about, then the light reappeared to them, right? And so based on that, I think this was a light. This wasn't two planets in alignment, and then they get to Jerusalem, and they get out of alignment, and they come back. That's not how planetary alignment works or, or whatever else, but um, I think this is just a supernatural light that God sent. So uh, number five, let's talk about the prophecy. Uh, when the wise men get to Jerusalem, they ask their question in verse 2, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So this gets back to Herod, and Herod is not happy. He's the king of the Jews. He's There's not this child who's king of the Jews. Why are you coming to worship somebody else? So he assembles the chief priests and experts in the law. This is all, you know, all of Jerusalem is concerned about this. So he assembles all these people. They discuss it. They confer, and they end up quoting Micah 5.2. And they say... Um, you know, they say in Bethlehem and Judea, and they said it because the prophet wrote, and this is verse 6, is quoting Micah 5.2, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are in no way least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So 
Um, so that's where they, they quote Micah. Um, the wise men knew that the star was the, the Messiah's star. They didn't know the prophecy was from Micah to know exactly where to go to find the star. They just knew the star is the star of the Messiah, the coming one. Um, so here's the thing about how they knew it. And also, I guess, another misconception about the wise men is that they didn't follow the star because it was bright. Um, and they're like, oh, let's go see what that's all about. Um, they didn't follow the star because they were into astrology and, you know, they're looking at the signs and saying, oh, this is going to help me with this bit of relationship you know, issue that I'm having. Or, oh, but also, hey, here's the savior of the world coming to be born today. Go follow that star and worship him. That's not the reason. They they probably, you know, they probably had studied astrology. They were, I'll say they're Renaissance men, but I know that came years later after this. But they, they were into all sorts of things. They were educated people. Um, the signs isn't what got them there. They follow the star because Daniel told them to follow the star. Not them particularly, but Magi from years and years back passed it down, passed it down to these guys, so they knew about it. So in Daniel 9, the angel Gabriel, the same angel that visited Joseph and Zechariah and Mary and the shepherds, visited Daniel, gave him this prophecy straight from God, and eventually the prophecy predicted that when the Messiah... Um, well, sorry. Basically, what the prophecy predicted was when the Messiah would be cut off, that is, crucified. And it's going to happen 483 years after uh, the Jews went and rebuilt Jerusalem. So we know, we, we talked about this during one of the minor prophets, I forget. All those kind of run together. That was a, that was a, that was a lot during that time. But uh, we know that in 444 BC, the Persian emperor Cyrus issued a decree allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem. So and then, um, so from then until 33 A.D. is exactly 483 years. So um, incidentally, Daniel uses the word magi 14 times in his book, um, and it all took place while Daniel was with other Israelites in captivity in Babylon. So not only when you draw that line east from Israel, you get to Babylon, but also that's where Daniel was, and that's how they found out about. This prophecy. So the Magi had this prophecy, um, the wise men had this prophecy of Daniel, but they didn't know Micah. Daniel didn't know Micah. The wise men didn't know Micah. Daniel studied Isaiah, and so we have Isaiah 60, verse 3. It says, The nations come to your light, kings bring uh, kings to your bright light. Hello? Who is this talking about right here? This is the this is the wise men. Um, so Daniel knew Isaiah. Daniel prophesied to the Magi. It got passed down. And then nations come to your light. Kings come to your bright light. These three kings of Orient, these wise men, these Magi, end up going east and heading to um, see the king. So the wise men had the prophecy of Daniel. They didn't know Micah. Um, and when they lost their light, they had to stop and ask for directions. So then Herod summoned them privately. And he told them, go find the child so that I too can go and worship him as well. But obviously, Herod wanted to kill the child. He didn't want to worship him. Um, and then verse 12, the Magi were warned about this in a dream. So instead of having to lie to Herod, they just went a different way back. They were, they were smarter than that. And they, you know, they're probably a little fearful. They go back to Herod and say, oh, we didn't see the king. Then maybe their lives would be in danger. Um, or if they did go and say, hey, we saw the king. And they disobeyed what they were warned about in the dream. So they didn't do it. They just went a different way back. Smart guys. 
So then finally, let's talk about the gifts. Um, let's talk about, um, you know, the, these gifts real quick, and then we'll talk about the whole point of all of this, really. So the gifts were gifts fit for a king. They were costly. The early church fathers said that gold represented wealth and power um, of a king. Uh, frankincense was used in temple worship of the Lord. Um, it represents his deity. He is truly God, born in human flesh. And then there's myrrh. Um, it's kind of a perfume made from the leaves of a cystus plant, cystus rose. Um, it was used in beauty treatments, so probably not like the section of Walmart I'm shopping in, unless Carol sends me to buy something. But some kind of a some kind of a perfume beauty treatment. I'm not going to that end of the HBA section of Walmart. I don't think. Uh, but when it's mixed together with vinegar, it became an, an anesthetic. Um, and then after a person died, myrrh was used to anoint the body and prepare it for burial. And so, gold uh, to represent Jesus as king. Uh, frankincense to represent Jesus, Jesus' deity, Jesus as Lord. And then myrrh to represent his ultimate reason for coming. The sacrifice that he made for the world to pay for our sins. Um, gold pointing to his majesty, frankincense to his deity, and myrrh to his humanity. So the point in all this, remember, Matthew's writing to this Jewish audience... He uses these Gentiles to show the Jews how to worship the Messiah. Remember, they had they had Isaiah. They knew the prophets. They knew the law. They had Isaiah. They had Daniel. And they had Micah. Yet they couldn't be bothered to travel the 10 minutes down to Bethlehem to see where the star was shining, you know, to, to follow it down, to go there. They just stayed there. So Matthew's writing this to this, to this Jewish audience to say, hey, look at these Gentiles. They're worshiping the Savior. They're worshiping Jesus. What are you doing? You know, what is your issue? Why can't you be bothered to do this as well? Um, and then I'm also going to say something here that um, might, might cause you to gasp more than, <laughs> probably more than we're going to be in Matthew for the next series. Um, but mostly due to, I guess, our Baptist roots is going to cause you to gasp on this. But... Um, I hope it doesn't cause anybody to get up and walk out. But in 2023, one of the things that I'd lock us all to commit to is to um, listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. <gasps> what? We're going to talk about the third person of the Trinity? Yeah, we are. Because the Spirit, uh, through this star, led these wise men to Jesus, right? That's right. Uh, one thing we'll see in Matthew's Gospel is... Um, the fulfilling of the law. And so the law gets fulfilled. We're no longer under the law, but we have the Spirit. The wise men have the star, and we have the Spirit. So the, the star led them to Jesus. The Spirit leads us to Jesus as well. Um, we looked at, you know, when Aaron read Hebrews 8 earlier, um, it said, you know, the that it's written on our minds and in our hearts. And so we have it in our minds and in our hearts. It's, I think it's unbiblical to follow the advice to follow your heart. But I will say with this little caveat, there's a big asterisk on what I'm about to say, just to let you know. If you're plugged into Scripture, if you're seeking the Son, if you're being guided by the Spirit, then yeah, you should follow your heart. But that's a, there's a big asterisk on that, okay? Just so you know. Um, and let me also give this disclaimer on that. 
if where your heart is leading you is contrary to what the Bible says, then no, you should not follow your heart. Because ultimately, our heart is wicked, it's full of deceit, and it's going to lead us astray. But if our heart is rooted in the things of God, and when I say heart, really I mean spirit, where the spirit is leading us, because we have this new covenant being written in our hearts and minds. Um, so we should be we should be governed by the authority of Scripture, not what popular culture says to do, or um, you know what we see or what we hear that tickles our ears that we think is fancy talk or whatever, but what the Bible actually says. Um, and so that's the next point. I think this will probably be less of a gasp. But in addition to following the leading of the Spirit, we need to dig into the Word of God more. We need to be committed to being guided more by Scripture as well. So the Spirit and Scripture. Uh, Psalms 1, first couple of verses says, How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the assembly of scoffers. Instead, he finds pleasure in obeying the Lord's commands. He meditates on his commands day and night. The word meditate means to chew the cud. Hopefully in East Texas we're all familiar with that. It means to ruminate, um, to extract what has already been taken in, um, to think deeply um, about something. So uh, have you ever studied a biblical topic or maybe a book of the Bible and you thought, well, don't need to study that anymore. No, no point in tackling that anymore because I've, I've got that under my belt. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. And I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that as well. Oh, yeah, I understand this caveat of theology or whatever. I'm good. Um, but I'm wrong. We need, we're to meditate on it. We're to dig into it and look at it more and more. I think, in general, the American church is very biblically illiterate. Um, we may know that Jesus wept is the shortest verse, but we couldn't tell you where it's located. Pause for if anybody wants to say. Anyway, John eleven thirty five. We need to be reacquainted with the Word of God. We need to dig into it and um, make a commitment to this. Um, I was going to wait and share this after the service, but um, I think since we're talk on this topic now, let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, you know, when we talk about the gifts, those wise men brought these gifts and they gave these gifts and um, that was their worship to God. The way we bring gifts to God now is through our worship, through our um, worship, um, what we do and what we say, how we honor God um, and how we live our lives. And so part of how we live our lives is the time we give to God, both in doing things church-related, but also in our personal study of Scripture. Um, and so, um, you know, since we need to be reacquainted with the Word, digging into that more, meditating on Scripture, um, starting today, the first day of the month, we have 31 days in this month, I'm going to be going through the 31 chapters of Proverbs. If anybody wants to join me in that, you can. Um, we can work out the details on that. I don't know if there's a particular study you know, for 31 days through the book of Proverbs, like in the Bible app or something, or maybe I just copy and text that out, um, copy and paste it you know, into a group text. Um, or if we just want to have a group text and say, I read today just to hold each other accountable or something like that. Um, but how are we, we can work out those details later, like I said. But um, if you would like to join me in that, you can. If you have something you're already going to try to do this year or whatever, 
um, that's fine. But I think Proverbs is a good place to start to um, not just get us all on the same page, but it's full of a lot. It's wisdom literature. So it's full. If we want to be wise men or wise women, then no place to start than or no better place than a wisdom literature. Um, so that's going to help us get reacquainted with the word. Um, and finally, um, not only do we need to follow the spirit and dig into scripture, we need to be the light. The star led the wise men to Jesus and our light can lead others to Jesus as well. Um, Jesus is the star. I am not the star. We are not stars. Uh, we should not live our lives as stars. We are the moon. The moon reflects the sun. The moon doesn't have any light in and of itself. The moon reflects that sun. And so we need to reflect God's light to others as well. We need to be people that um, radiate that light out um, and reflect that light to others. So that's what we need to do. We need to follow the Spirit, get into Scripture, and shine our light to others. So let's do that. Let's be people that do that. No place to start like the first day of the new year. Starting the right way. So, anyhow. Well, let's pray and we will um, sing another song. Um, I don't really ever give a formal invitation or anything, but if if there's something you need to pray about or something, I'll, I'll be over here. You can come and pray with me or just, um, you know, any, need something you need to talk about or anything else. Um, I'll, I'll be over here. I'm always around you know during that final song uh, but maybe you just need to reflect on the words of this song and see um, see how God's speaking to you through that so let's pray and uh, and we'll sing Lord thank you so much for this opportunity uh, fresh start a new year I know that um, that you are forgiving God and I praise you for that you know, you know, Lord, better than anybody that I need your forgiveness, and I'm sure others in here as well. So I thank you, thank you, thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And I thank you for the fellowship that we share in you with other believers. I thank you how it can strengthen us and encourage us and lift us up. And I pray that uh, we'll find all those things within this church family. We'll find the community that we long for. And that we can be a, a people that follow your spirit, dig into your word, and, and shine your light to others. Help us to, to love you, to love one another, and to love the people outside these walls. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.